Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you today? Yeah. Most of you, if you're like me, you're a little weary because about 3 o'clock in the morning, the world turned upside down. The next thing I knew, my little dog was shivering in my lap while I was trying to sleep. Um, So, yeah, I think some of us are a little weary and tired, but I'm so glad you're here. And I promise you it's going to be worth your time that you came today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I always love it. Uh, I was telling some folks this morning, whenever in the middle of the night my phone rings really loud and says flash flood warning, I always know, oh, that means we're going to have seven people at church today. Thank you very much for that. Um, but we got more than seven, y'all. We got more than seven. Barely. Barely. No, good. You guys are awesome, and we thank you so much for being here. Uh, today's an incredible day for us uh, as a church, especially for my family, my wife and I. Um, this, today we get the opportunity to have a very, very special guest with us today speaking. Uh, during the summer, especially this part of the summer, we do a little series we call Summer Playlist. And the idea over the next several weeks, and we started this last week. By the way, last week, if you missed it and you didn't hear our five fresh voices, man, they were so awesome. And I want to just say thank you to those guys, some young speakers, some uh, up-and-coming speakers here at LifePoint. And they brought their best last week three times in a row, and it was amazing. So thank you, guys. Uh, and so that's what's going to look like over the next several weeks is uh, whoever's up here, wh- whether it's myself or one of our pastors or one of our guests, we're just going to be bringing to you what God's saying to us, what's sort of on repeat, uh, what's on our sort of playlist in our heart that God's sort of saying to us. And uh, we're going to hear something just like that today. Uh, at LifePoint, we, um, some folks don't know the way that we kind of oversee the church, govern the church. The, the church is sort of led by various teams of elders, and one of the elders uh, groups are called overseers. And these are people who do not go to our church but are pastors of ministries who lead other ministries or churches, and they help oversee not only our church but oversee me personally. Uh, These are the guys who have permission to ask me all the hard questions, who can call me, encourage me, uh, critique me, or ask me whatever they want. And uh, they they protect the church um, uh, from if I got crazy. You know what I'm saying? And it's possible. You know, craziness can run uh, in around. But anyways... Um, today we are privileged to have one of those overseers with us, one of these. Uh, pastor Ron Corzine has been the pastor of uh, uh, and built multiple very, very successful churches uh, in the valley and around the state of Texas. He leads uh, a network of churches um, under the same banner for the most part, and we are not under that same banner, but he is one of our overseers, and we love him so much. He is an intentional encourager. Those of you who follow him on social media, Uh, By the way, if you don't, you should, because one day you could be having a bad day, and the next thing you know, a a little word, a little nugget from Pastor Ron will drop onto your feed, and it could literally change the course of your day. And so, LifePoint, would you help me welcome, a big, big welcome to Pastor Ron Corzine, our friend, one of our overseers. We love him so much. Well, it's great to be here today. Jim and Edna became friends because they were both patients at a mental hospital. One day they were taking a walk and uh, they walked past the swimming pool and all of a sudden Jim just jumped in. He sank to the bottom and Edna, she jumped in after him and she swam to the bottom and she pulled Jim out. And uh, when the director of nursing heard that she had done this, 
she called all the staff together, the doctors and some of the staff, and they decided that Edna was of sound mind. She really didn't need to be there, and they all agreed that we need to let her go home. So the director of nurses found Edna and said, Edna, we've got some good news and some bad news. Now the good news is the staff is met and we think you're of sound mind and we've decided just to let you go home and check out. They said the bad news is your friend Jim hung himself in the bathroom with the belt of his bathrobe and he's dead. She said, oh, Jim didn't hang himself. I hung him there to dry out. <laughs> so look, before... Before you cut your friends or your spouse some slack about being of sound mind, you may go a little bit slower than that, okay? It's always good for me to come to San Antonio, which was home for 16 years anyway. Uh, we raised our children in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas. Uh, we moved here and spent 16 years. We were attending this church is where I met to Danny and Rachel. And then after a few years here, we decided as grandparents, we would just move to Fort Worth and be near grandchildren. If you're a grandparent, and I met a great grandparent over here a moment ago holding uh, the child. And if you're a grandparent, then you know, you understand what I'm talking about, about if nothing's holding you back, be close to those grandkids. It's awesome. I, I, there's nothing that I enjoy better than hearing the word poppy a hundred times a day. <laughs> Usually with a question attached to that. Poppy, what about? Poppy, what about? But it's, it's, it's wonderful. We are enjoying, uh, Ann and I in December celebrated 50 years of marriage. We have three grown children and eight grandchildren. And uh, we're still madly in love. I can't imagine what it would be like any other way, and so Anne sends her regards. She's home, was unable to make this trip, but it's always uh, a real joy for us to be here uh, with Danny and Rachel. We love this church, and we love what you're doing. I know you're excited about the new building. We're excited for you, and so it won't be long now. It'll, it'll be here just before you know it, I promise you. As Pastor Danny said, whether, you, whether we've met or you know me, I am... Uh, I am an encourager. That's one of the things I am. Uh, besides, that's besides some of the other things that my wife says that I am that we're not going to even mention here <laughs> today. But uh, years ago, as an encourager, some of my friends said, no, you're not just an encourager. You're an intentional encourager. You do it on purpose. And uh, it's just one of the gifts that I'm thankful that God has given me to be an encourager and to give people hope and to lift their spirits. And I pray that that's what happens here today, that somebody will leave, someone will leave here today with their spirits lifted and with hope for the future regardless of what you're going through. You know, I tell people as an intentional encourager all the time, you'll get through this. That's what I say, you'll get through this. Uh, you're gonna make it. God will provide uh, tomorrow is going to be a better and a brighter day. Your troubles, yes, they'll come to pass. Uh, uh, God has a great plan for your life. These are just natural things that are inside of an encourager that when he meets somebody that he says. But what I realized years ago that 
even though my intentions are good in making these statements, and they sound like maybe trite statements or instruction, but really I, I know my heart is good in wanting to tell somebody that, and I really do believe when I encourage them and say these words, but, but I also realize that not everybody hears what I say when I encourage them, and if they do hear what I say, generally there's a question involved, when am I going to get through it, right? Not, not if I'm going to get through it, but, but when am I going to get through it? How, how am I going to make it? When is the provision that you say that God will provide, when is that going to happen? When are my troubles going to come to pass? And uh, I don't really see a plan of God for my life. And so those are, those are natural responses to someone who is maybe an intentional encourager like myself. Today I want to I kind of look at the other side of the coin, so to speak. Uh, I, I, I want to talk about trusting God when he says no to something you want. Trusting God when you're believing for something, praying for something, and God says no, or maybe God says wait. So, so, so this is not about what God is going to do. He's not on trial here today. This is not about what God is going to do. This is about what we're going to do until he does what we want him to do are, he says, wait. You ever had God say, wait? If you're anything like me, I'm not a wait person. Right, Malia? I'm not a, I'm not a wait person. I'm a get her done. I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a now person. We, we, we don't have time to wait. The, the world is passing us by. And if you listen to some people, the planet ain't going to be here in 12 years. That is, if you listen to some people. I, I'm, I'm about, let's do it. And God will sometimes say to me, wait. Just wait. I, I remember playing sports. Our coach made us go to the weight room. Oh, oh, oh it, was, it was a different kind of weight room, but it had, the same, it had the same view in mind as God does when he says wait. It, it's a time that you're going to be strengthened. It's a time that you're going to be developed. You need to go to the weight room to get strong, to be developed, and, and you need to learn. We need to learn how to wait on God while God is maturing us and, and changing us and developing us into the person he's called us to be. But I have to tell you, and I don't mind telling him, and I have told him. Isn't it great you can talk to God like that? He, he just, he doesn't mind. He's so secure in who he is. And I just tell him, God, I don't like waiting. I don't like this one bit. You know the answer. You know what it's going to be like. You know the outcome. You know the end from the beginning. Won't you just go ahead and tell me? What's all this wait stuff? He said, you need to wait because I'm going to do something in your waiting that's going to develop you and mature you and grow you up in your character and be the person that I've called you to be that you would never be able to be until you learn how to trust me and wait on me to the proper time for me to release what it is you're desiring or what it is that you want. 
we, we live in this society. I, I grew up a Baptist, uh, became a, I don't know what I became. <laughs> uh, some people call it charismatic. Some people call it word of faith. Some people call it non-denominal. Anyway, I'm a Christian, a follower of Jesus. How's that? But, but, but I, I went through a phase in my life where it was name it and claim it. Brother, if you just say it, God will do it. Name it, and you can claim it. It's yours. Believe it, and you can receive it. And all that sounded good, and uh, I do believe in good confessions, and I do believe in having faith for things, but also I learned the reality of things don't always come the way that we're taught they come. Sometimes you don't just receive it when you believe it immediately, and you don't just claim it because you simply named it one day. You go to the bookstore. I'm telling you, there's, there's five ways to stay blessed, seven ways to be an overcomer, ten ways to financially prosper. There, there are all kind of helps out there that will guide us through the process of getting what you want, but there's very little I've discovered, very little said out there about how to survive when life is not turning out the way you'd like for it to. And that's what we, that's, that's the other side of the coin. That's what I want to talk about today. That's what we need today. What do you do when things are not turning out the way you hoped or believed that they would turn out? Look, you don't have to lose your faith. You don't, just because God didn't say yes to a prayer request that you made, you don't have to have a pity party and question God and get depressed and quit church. I'm telling you, I've heard all kinds of reasons people don't, people don't serve God anymore. Well, I asked God one time to do this, and he didn't do this. He didn't let this happen. He didn't let that happen. I don't believe in church anymore. I don't believe in God anymore. I'm just going to go out and eat worms. They, they didn't say that, but they might just as well have said it because to not believe in God and trust God is about equal to eating worms. You don't have to lose your faith. It's because you didn't get the job or the house you wanted. The medical report didn't come back that you were hoping for. Look, look, we don't, I'm convinced of this. We don't need faith to direct us when things don't fall into place. What we need faith for is we need faith to sustain us when all hell is breaking loose. We need faith to give us the ability to hold on, to press in, to press through when things are not turning out the way we expect or the way we want them to. I don't know about you, sometimes I've held my Bible in one hand and I've, I've, I've seen my circumstances over here in this hand and it's kind of like the, the scale of justice. I got the Bible here and God says, and I got my circumstances here, and these things don't seem to balance. They, 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 don't seem to, they don't seem to become equal or balanced in my mind. And so what you have to do when that happens, you just have to keep trusting God. Look, I don't, I don't need somebody to tell me uh, what to do when I get healed. I, I, know, I know the natural response. When you, if you get the message you got healed, there's a, there's a natural response. There's a rejoicing there. Uh, what, what I would need, though, if I went to the doctor tomorrow and he said, Ron, you have cancer and you have six months to live, I would need the faith and the grace of God to sustain me in that hour and to give me the ability and strength to trust him. So when things are going well and all the bills are paid and all the kids are being obedient and your wife... Well, let me move on. Uh, 
when everything's going okay, you don't really need a lot of a lot of faith. You just are rejoicing in what you do have. Uh, I want to read to you a passage of scripture today. I don't know if they're going to put it on the screen or not. It's okay, but just listen up. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7 through 10. It's, it's found in the Passion Translation. Let, listen up, okay? This is what Paul the Apostle said writing to the church at Corinth. He said, The extraordinary level of revelations I received is no reason for anyone to exalt me. For this is why a thorn in my flesh was given to me, the adversary's messenger sent to harass me, keeping me from being arrogant. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to relieve me of this, but he answered me, my grace is sufficient. My grace is always more than enough for you, and my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So I will celebrate my weakness, Paul said. For when I'm weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. So I'm not defeated by my weakness, but I'm delighted. For when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and I face persecution because of my love for Christ, I'm made yet stronger for my weakness becomes a portal of God's power. I just love, when I read that, I just love the word portal. I don't know what it is that rung true, but a portal, a gateway, it's an opening. God will make a gateway. God will open something up when he'll open up to you his grace. He'll open up to you what you need at that moment to to receive. That's why it just hit me. That's why one of the things that's so beautiful about baptism Because what happens when you're baptized, I think happens to you when you get baptized. I think you get an open heaven. I think you get peace like a dove. I think you get a voice that begins to speak to you and say, this is the way, walk you in it. I encourage people who've never been baptized to be baptized and follow the example of Jesus so that you can get from your baptism experience what Jesus got from his baptism experience, which is your identity and the Father saying, this is my beloved son or daughter in whom I'm well pleased. If you haven't been baptized, I encourage you to be baptized. It won't take you to heaven, but it'll sure make life here on earth much more pleasurable as you become a follower of the Lord Jesus. Now, hear what Paul does. He tells the Corinthians something that transpired when he was caught up in his spirit into this third heaven, this atmosphere, and it was God the Spirit and Paul in the Spirit, and God began to show Paul things. He began to, he began to reveal certain things to Paul that really men, humans, had, had never received, but yet Paul was receiving this special revelation from God. Now, let me say about Paul. Paul, the apostle, he is not, he's not lacking in wisdom. He's not lacking in intelligence. He's not lacking in influence or charisma. He's received this extraordinary level of revelation and he's been abundantly blessed and yet nobody else has ever had that experience that he had that we know of. And what we tend to forget is Paul was still a human. Sometimes we want to, sometimes people want to elevate Paul almost right up here. He's right there with Jesus. He's, he's almost, he's almost not, not human, even though Jesus was the son of man. 
Paul is a human. He knew what he knew what disappointment was. He knew how to he knew how to be abased. He knew how to abound. He knew grief. He knew loneliness. He knew betrayal. He knew rejection. Paul, the, the, the same things that you experience emotionally and I experience emotionally in this life, Paul as a human experienced the same thing. And yet he still had this, this revelation from God. So often we forget one's humanity and we read or see their outward spirituality and we think somehow these, these folks are not human. Uh, only I had Pastor Danny's anointing. If only I could sing like, if only I, if I had their anointing. We, we, we envy sometimes people's anointing, the, the, the presence, the influence, the call of God on their life. We sit back and look at them and how that they minister or how they, they, they live their life. And we say, boy, if I just had, if I just had that. And what I tell people, no, you... That's what you want, but what you don't want, you don't want to go through the rejection. You don't want to go through the betrayal. You don't want to sacrifice. You don't want to experience the pain, the heartache, the sorrow, the grief. The long, you don't want all that that they had to go through to get that anointing. You just want the results. I want the results. Well, I'll tell you, things have a way of looking different from the driveway to the hallway. You know, curb appeal? A lot of people only have curb appeal. They, they see it from the outside. They see, the, they see it from the driveway. They see the landscaping on the outside. And this is beautiful, but they don't know what it's like on the inside. They don't know what it's like in the kitchen. They don't know what it's like in the hallway. They don't know what it's like in the bedroom. They just see the outside. And we're, if we're not careful, that's what we'll focus on is the outward rather than the deep inward spirituality that God is working in someone's life to bring them to the place character-wise he wants them to be. And Paul is saying, lest I be exalted above measure for all the things that went right, lest I forget the good times that things didn't always happen or turn out the way I thought they would. And in all of this, here's what I find, here's what I find interesting. In all of this, Paul doesn't blame the devil. You ever heard people say, well, the devil, it's, it's all, the devil did it. The devil made me do it. The devil, the devil, the devil. Oh, he gets a lot of press today. The devil, the devil. Paul didn't blame the devil for this. If you read the text, Paul said an adversary was sent, not just didn't show up on his own. An adversary was directed, an adversary was sent to me. Now, I don't, I don't know that a lot, of, a lot of ministers and a lot of people don't like to hear that, that God would actually do something like this. How, how could God, why would God send uh, or allow, that we like allow better than send, uh, why would God send or why would God allow this adversary to come and to buffet or to harass or to keep on prodding Paul? Because God's interest for Paul's future God was interested about Paul's future more than Paul was interested about his future. And God said, look, if Paul gets arrogant about this third heaven experience, if he gets built up with pride, then I'll have to humble him. And it's best just go ahead and deal with it this way. That way Paul can realize that my grace is going to be adequate to get him through what he's experiencing and he doesn't have to be humbled by me. 
uh, have you ever, have you ever, I, I almost know you have. Have you ever been at a time in your life and everything seemed to be going right? Or can you remember that? <laughs> when everything seemed to be going right, I mean, the kids were behaving like we mentioned earlier, everything just, the, the money was there, a little bit in savings, we got our bills paid, and everything seemed to be going nice. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, out of nowhere, all hell breaks loose. Y'all ever had any, any, I feel like I'm just preaching to myself right here, like nobody even relates to what I'm talking about. You ever had one of those times? And you, and you begin to question, you begin to say, what in the world Hit me, what in the world went wrong? And it may not be visible or apparent or recognizable to others, but, but, but all of a sudden you feel alone. You feel like you're the only one who is going through or ever been through that. And, and I know, I know that happens because we do have an enemy and he does lie, he does deceive, and he likes to isolate and separate us and say, you know what? You're the only one that's ever felt like that. You're the only one that's ever gone through this. You're the only one that's ever hurting like you're hurting right now. And that's why, let me just tell you, that's why as a preacher for 50 years, that's why we need the church. That's why we need the body of Christ. That's why we need to do more than just drop in on Sunday. We need to live in community with other people in the body of Christ so that we can encourage them and let them know, look, what you've been through, what you're going through, I've been through, I've experienced that, and God is faithful. We need to encourage others wherein we have been encouraged. And that's why we need the church. That's why we need the community. I encourage you in that way. There's been a big debate. Pastor Danny knows what was this thorn in the flesh? What was this thing that buffeted him? What was this thing that harassed him? What was it kept prodding him? And I've given a lot of thought to that. I really have. And here's what I've come up with. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't know what it was. It, it's, it's almost like it's a mystery. Some people say, well, they try to say, well, it's his eyesight. Well, he had bad eyes, so what? But what was this thing? What was this mystery? What was this thorn in the flesh that buffeted and harassed Paul? I don't know. Now, let me tell you what I do know. Wake up, write it down. Here's what I do know. Life is hard. Life can be hard. I'm telling you, it is. That's not a bad confession. That's truth. Life can be hard. In this world, you will have, Jesus said, tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. You're going to have trouble in this world. You're going to have trials in this world. You're going to have tribulation in this world. Be of good cheer. Life is hard. Got it? Yes. Here it is. Number two, Jesus is Lord. Amen. Regardless how hard life is, Jesus is Lord over life. He's Lord over your life. He, he has your best interest in mind. Life is hard. Jesus is Lord. And here's where your choice comes into play. I will rejoice. I'm not going to bellyache. I'm not going to gripe. I'm not going to complain about how hard life is because I know Jesus and I know he's Lord. I know he's the sovereign Lord of heaven and earth. And therefore, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a choice to rejoice. You get to choose. 
Everybody gets to choose. No pity parties. Everybody gets to choose. I do think God leaves it a mystery. I do. I think, I think he left it a mystery. He didn't point it out exactly what it was. Because what I think, I think it's a mystery so that you can fill in the blank for yourself. Because everyone in this room, whether you admit it or not, everyone in this room finds yourself harassed about something sometimes. A fault, a failure, a weakness, an addiction, whatever. Everybody has something that buffets you, harasses you, that prods you, that won't go away, and it's there. I don't know what yours is. I do know what mine is. I'm not going to tell you. And you shouldn't tell people what yours is. But God's grace is what? God's grace is sufficient to help you. Yes, it is. Paul, Paul prayed. I mean, it said in the scripture, he said, I, I pleaded with the Lord three times. Ah. He didn't just say a little, now lay me down to sleep prayer. God is great. God is good. Let's thank him for our food. No, Paul prayed. He pleaded with the Lord three times. He begged God, God, show me. God, help me. And God said, my grace is sufficient. Look, this is a different kind of prayer than when you're looking for a parking space and asking God to open up a parking space for you. That's a whole different kind of prayer to fix the washing machine or the refrigerator. Those are different kind of... Paul pleaded with the Lord, and the Lord said, no, my grace is sufficient. I'll be there for you. I'll be there with you. I came up and kind of building this sermon, I came up with three words that might help us remember... The other three things I know, I don't, what was it? Life is hard. Jesus is Lord. I will rejoice. So I, I came up with three more words. And so I'll just kind of reiterate just briefly. If you're taking notes, write it down. The, the, the word is overwhelmed. Life can be overwhelming at times. The heaviness, the weight of what we're going through, over, overwhelmed. Overwhelmed in your marriage. Somebody's overwhelmed right now in their marriage. Some of you will be overwhelmed in your marriage, and you're going to be tempted to throw in the towel and quit because it's overwhelming. I can't take this anymore. And dear lady, unless you're being emotionally, repetitively emotionally, or not even repetitively, one time physically abused, and if that is the case, I'm going to tell you as your, past, your pastor's pastor and your friend, how <laughs> you like, yeah, well, almost, almost said your pastor, almost promoted myself right here to be your pastor today. <laughs> My God, what liberty, what liberty is that? I'm telling you as your pastor's friend, if that happens to you, dear lady, or man, but, but dear lady, if that happens to you, run. Run. You don't need or have to be ever abused. Run. I don't know how I injected that, but you needed to hear it. Somebody needed to hear that. But I'll tell you what, there's going to be times in your life you're going to be overwhelmed in your marriage and you want to throw in the towel. And I'm talking about little, probably little issues. You know, 
you didn't get that piece of jewelry you wanted and he, what kind of a supporter and provider is he? Look, the little issues, you hang tough. I'm telling you, one who's been married 50 years, it hadn't been easy on her. <laughs> and I mean, that, I mean that sincerely if you know me. There's times that we didn't like each other. I loved her because God said I had to, (laughs) but I didn't like her. And she didn't like me, and we didn't like each other, and we would fight and fuss and make up and fight and fuss and make up. But here's one thing we did decide early on, divorce is not going to be an option. It's not an option. There was no abuse. Little issues. Divorce is not going to be an option. And I can tell you, if I I can just go ahead and tell you, since I'm going to anyway, uh, I can tell you there is something euphoric. Did I say euphoric? That's a big word, isn't it, for me? There is something euphoric about being married to the same person for 50 years. Hang in there. Tough it out. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. Don't quit. You'll be overwhelmed in your marriage. You'll be overwhelmed at times in your finances. You'll be overwhelmed with your children. You'll be overwhelmed at your job. Your life is going to be overwhelming at times. Now, that's life is hard, overwhelming. Jesus is Lord is you're going to be overruled. Objection, your honor. And the judge says, overruled. Have you ever been overruled by God? (laughs) Boy, I want this bad. I know God loves me and he's going to give me that. Overruled. I'm going to tell you, God will let you, God will allow you, he'll allow you to object. He doesn't mind you objecting. God is okay with you objecting. But you need to be okay with being overruled too. God will let you complain, but he'll overrule you. He's Lord. He knows what's best for you. He has your best interest in mind. He can see things down the road that you can't see. And he, he mine, I, old Garth got it right when he said, God, thank God for unanswered prayers. Have you ever prayed and wanted something and it didn't happen? And as you look back and say, thank God I didn't get what I wanted. That wouldn't have been good. Some, somebody else got her. <laughs> or him, or him, or him, or him, or him. Overwhelmed, overruled. I got overruled one time. I, I, I got overruled many times, but one of the times that was the most disappointing, I think I've ever been disappointed in my whole life, is... Uh, when I started our first church in Harlingen, Texas, the church grew to about 400 people. And I, I have to, I'm honest, I'm, I was probably overambitious. There's probably a lot of selfish ambition, overambitious. I, I, I wanted more than 400 people. I wasn't satisfied. Content, but not satisfied. I knew a pastor in North Texas, Sherman, Texas, up here, and he, 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 uh, he had a church that was running 1,800. 
and he and I became real good friends and and real good friends. And so when he came, when when he got ready to retire, he called me on the phone. He said, "Ron, I'd like to pass this church along to you." And I thought to myself, "I wondered when you was going to call." I wanted to I wanted to pastor a big church. And I only had 400 people and it was pulling teeth to get 500. Would you like to come and take the church? I said, I'll pray about it and get back to you in 30 minutes. Because <laughs> I already knew the answer. I'm fixing to pastor me a big church, man. What a portal. What an opening. And I, I actually did pray this one time. And you know what God said? He had the audacity to say, no, you stand here with these 400 people. But you're here. Don't, don't, don't make that move. I couldn't see it then. But today... After planting seven churches, raising up and mentoring and fathering young men and women, sending out pastors and building a network, as Danny said, not boastful, that's just what happened. I couldn't see that then. See what I'm saying? All I could see was a church of 800 people, 1,800 people. I couldn't see what I see today. I couldn't begin to imagine or experience then what I experience and see today father knows best he sees the beginning from the end he sees tomorrow he sees into the future you cannot see that and it's just best to trust him if he overrules you and best to go ahead and do that third thing I will rejoice that's what Paul said remember he said I'm going to be delighted if, if, if it's weakness if it's weakness I need in order to be strong, then I'll be delighted in my weakness so that I can be strong in your strength. I'll be delighted. That word's there, delighted. I'll, I'll, I'll rejoice. I will rejoice. I'm telling you what, it's not easy. It is not easy. You know, it's not easy to rejoice, to be overjoyed. That's a good word, overwhelmed, overruled, overjoyed. It's not easy to be overjoyed when you're overruled. It's not easy to overrejoice when you're overwhelmed. And yet it's what we need to learn how to do and it's one of the toughest things I know there is is to rejoice and to be overjoyed when things don't go my way. Man, James, our brother. Remember James? My fellow brothers and sisters, my believers, my believers, when it seems as though you're facing nothing but difficulties, <laughs> see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection, maturity, growth in every part of your being until there's nothing missing and nothing lacking. When you can't stand it anymore, you don't think you're going to be able to make it. 
you're on your last leg. God will come through and he'll make you to stand. He really will. I've seen it too many times. It was, 19, it was 1973. My wife and I were students at Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri. She was 21, I was 23. We had two children. We were both enrolled in school full-time, and I worked part-time. And I, I wasn't providing for them. Like, I was doing the best I could, but I wasn't providing enough that the way they deserved to be provided for. And I remember... We, I remember this particular time, it was just, it was a down time and there was, we didn't have, we just didn't have at that time the, the food in the cupboard like we should. Have. Anyway, you don't need to hear my whole sad story, but that's what was happening. And I, I woke up one morning and I said to myself first and then to her later, I said, I'm going to quit school today and I'm going to go get a job where I can provide for this woman you've given me, God, the way she and these children need to be provided for. You know, there's a scripture that says, uh, if a man doesn't take care of his family, he's worse than an infidel. My preacher daddy said, infidels are in for hell. <laughs> and I, I, I remember that, and I said, I'm going to get me a job, and I'm going to quit school. Told my wife when she got up, and I'm quitting school today. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to take care of you and the kids the way y'all deserve to be taken care of. I went on to class that day. I was going to go by the administration office and check out. And the chancellor of the school had called a special chapel service that day in the gymatorium. He wanted everybody in the gym, big gymatorium. They had a special speaker, a big, big, big time mega church pastor from out of town. He said, everybody's going to hear him today. And I remember going in, and you can imagine what I was thinking. I'm thinking about quitting. What kind of job am I going to get? What do I need? And I was sitting pretty close to the back, almost at the back. And he was speaking, and I, I wasn't listening, to be honest. I was checking out already. And then all of a sudden, he stopped, and it got quiet, and then he clapped his hands twice, real loud. And he said, listen to me. He said, if you don't hear anything else I say, you hear what I'm saying right now. And he had my attention. And he said this, you don't determine a man's greatness by his fame or his fortune like the world does, but by the amount of discouragement he can withstand and keep on standing. You don't determine a person's Greatness or success by fame or fortune as the world does, but by the amount of discouragement he or she can withstand and keep on standing. And Paul said, having done all to stand, stand. I walked on past the administration building that day and went home, changed clothes, went on to work. And uh, here I am, this is the rest of the story. Here's the rest of the story. Don't think you can stand. I don't know if I can stand it anymore. I don't know if I can do I don't know. Somebody's thinking that right now. I don't know if I can stand this. I don't know if I can take this anymore. God will help you to stand. I told the people in the first service, I'm a big boxing fan. I know it's morbid. I know it's violent. I know it's ugh, bloody. I love it. 
I just love it. I just love it. And I remember watching Tyson and Holyfield fight. And I, I have to tell you, I, 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 wanted Holyfield, I wanted Holyfield to win. I just admitting that up front. And I, I remember watching that. I was, boy, I was close to the television. I just remember. And all of a sudden, in this fight, Tyson landed a right hook, and he hit Holyfield with everything he had. And you could see his head pop back. And the camera panned in on Tyson's face, and I read his mind. Here's what he was thinking. I just hit him with everything I've got, and he's still standing. And then the camera switched and panned in on Holyfield's face, and I read his mind. And Holyfield was thinking this. He just hit me with everything he's got, and I can't believe it. I'm still standing. When the world, maybe some of your so-called friends, maybe some of your family, trials, tests, temptations, tribulations, when they hit you with everything you've got and you don't think you can stand, God will make you to stand. He'll help you to stand because his grace is adequate. It's sufficient to get you through anything you're going through right now if you won't give up and if you won't quit. Let's pray. This is not going to apply to everybody totally, but I, I want to close and pray for all of us. But I, I especially would like to give an opportunity for somebody who's sitting here thinking, my God, how did you know what I'm going through? I need prayer. I need prayer. And if that's you, I don't expect the whole congregation, but if that's you, like the Spirit of God touched you, and you could use special prayer, I'm going to have you just stand right in front of your chair. You don't have to come forward. We're going to just pray. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If that's you, you could use prayer, a special prayer. I want to remember you particularly in my closing prayer. If you'll just stand right in front of your chair, just stand up. I'll give you just a moment. God bless you. The first step of getting help is acknowledging you need help. I need prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, because of who he is and what he's done and what he's capable of doing, I pray for every man and woman in this building right now. You know every heart, you know every situation, you know every circumstance, you know every... You know everything about each one of us. And I'm going to ask you, Father, in the name of Jesus, oh, that mighty name of Jesus, that you would intervene for these individuals, that you would work in their behalf. Bring them through whatever they need to get through. Bring them to whatever they need to get to. Show yourself strong in their behalf. And then, Father, I pray for these men and these women who are standing right now who acknowledge, Lord, you spoke to me today 
I need your strength. I need your grace. I need your help. Lord, I pray. I pray for them today that you would strengthen them with all power in the inner person, that they would find strength in their own weakness. They would find power in their own limited resources and provision. Help them. You know what they're going through. And I pray you'll bless them and you'll help them and you'll strengthen them and you'll encourage them. And as we all leave this building today, may we trust you to do what is best for us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.